am Laura, a parent of launching young adults and a sociologist and a parenting communication coach. And hi, I'm Beth Rolls, a parent of littles and a conscious marriage coach. Hi, I'm Yukti Rao, parent of two teens with a joyfully imperfect life. Welcome to our Be Friends show, where we demonstrate through our friendships, the art and science of authentic relations. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I am battling spring allergies in the Smokies, so my energy is still low. I just um, really am struggling with my body. You know, when we go there, I had allergies when I was down there. Again, sometimes it like really hits me and sometimes I feel like it's way better than up here. Probably because I grew up. <laughs> yeah. It's I've noticed it's cyclical, like the dogwoods were in bloom in April. And then boom, here comes something else in May. And then they say there's one, one more round in June. So I guess it just depends on where you're. Your specific allergy is, but I feel like all of it is right now. And you're also out in it all the time, right? Like you go for a Yeah, and I don't, that's the other thing is I don't recover. You know, I dive right into the next hike, the next little event, whatever it is. So I yeah. mean, I struggle, everybody in my household struggles. With, I, not everybody, I think my dog does. Callie has environmental allergies. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. I have them to some degree. I notice if I watch my food, my mm -hmm. allergies are better. Right. And uh, I found this homeopathic thing called Allergena that I use, which helps me uh, if I take it regularly. That's the key. You have to take it regularly. And my husband and my son have allergies. My daughter is the only one who escapes spring allergies. Lucky yeah. her. And this time, basically, we get so much rain, it's just blooming. So it's gorgeous. Right. Right. The allergies are worse than usual. Yeah. Sounds amazing now. How's your puppy that fell down the hole? Is he doing okay? He's sitting right here beside me. Um, <laughs> he, he just learned the new reverence for chasing rabbits and squirrels. He's kind of hesitant. <laughs> mm. All of us, he has cataracts, so he only sees around his, out the outside of his eyes. Mm. And, uh, and yet he has the heart of a hound dog who wants to go chase everything. But I threw my back out getting him up those steps. Oh, I bet. God, I got and him. It still has not recovered. He's 85 pounds, y'all. <laughs> and I had to lift that hind end up every round until we saw daylight. And then he pretended like it's a bead and threw it at all. Oh, oh my so gosh. And you were like straddling the mud and stuff too. <laughs> Trying to get him up there. Wow. That was some story, man. I heard it was like, oh my gosh. It took 40 minutes to figure out how to do the ladder in the lawn chair, get him out of the mud and on the lawn chair. And he's shaking. He's terrified. And Aww. it was dark. So I couldn't see, you know. It was dark he, too. Well, inside, it wasn't dark outside. It was dark in the, in the ditch ravine thing. And he has cataract. So. He has cataracts, so he really depends on the light. Already and gone. he won't even walk at night. He won't even step outside the door at night. He's, wow. Because he can't see. Yeah. That was We're so old. I turned six. He turned 10. We're old. He's, he's in dog years, what, 10 years older than me. So. Wow. She's so active. Yeah, he really is. 
Well, you are too. I mean, yeah. you're so active. <laughs> you're gonna know all those trails around your house. <laughs> yeah, Man. but I I tell a good story because um, I only hike in about two to three miles. I did three point five miles in and then back out because you know I can't okay. do the super long that's, distance. That's a pretty long hike. That's not a good hike. Yeah. Viv and I did that hike to the Ramsey Cascades once, and I think we only went, I think the whole thing was four miles, so we must not have gone much further than that, but it was all, like, uphill. Right. The, the incline makes a huge, yeah. huge difference. Like, yeah. That was, that and was... I just did had a dear client friend share that she, um, she has a heart issue, and so... It really motivates me to get, stay active. And then watch my mom's decline at 84. She's an old 84. You know, she's not a spry 84. You know, sometimes I watch these women who are on like TikTok or whatever, and they're bouncing around and dancing and everything. And I'm always like, that's the old <laughs> to be. I want to still be mobile. I don't want to be like Dave's great grandma would have a walker and a potty chair next to her and be in the chair all day and could barely move, bless her heart. And just like, I, I would not do well if I was stuck like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been just with my right leg uh, trying to rehabilitate it the last few. I'm like, yeah. My husband's like, you could live with it. I said, I can't because I don't want to live like this. I want to be able to mm -hmm. do that four mile hike or five mile hike without like, mm -hmm. Worrying about, oh, my leg is not going to make it. Like, right. Just, I don't want to do that. So. Me either. Yeah. And I'm not an app. I mean, you know, I've had fantasies. I have fantasies about doing the Appalachian Trail. I just downloaded an article about an 80-year-old retired pastor woman who is doing the AT at 80 with walking sticks. And I'm just going, oh, she's my hero. Yeah. But, but, you know, I, I talked to my doc about it. And, he said that the ones that don't get injured doing that are the older people because they know how to respect their boundaries and their bodies. And they go a little way and they have a puff and they shoot out and then they take another, you know, bit. Um, they don't push it. And, and that's kind of how I'm doing my stuff is I pick a new place and I go and I go till I'm huffing and puffing. And then I sit down and take pictures or meditate. Right. You know, I want to take the recorder with me so I can start writing on the trail. Um, that's my next little use of time. But the idea is just to keep moving, you know, keep at it to the best of your ability for that given day. Um, yeah, because I see, I see all these very male oriented hikers and it's all about distance and time and making it to the next schedule. And I'm going, what's the fun in that? Where's the my husband play and the joy in that you know for me anyway oh yeah um, i just wanted to experience and get the body better and then let the nervous system calm down you know enjoy the all journey. of that good stuff yeah yes i love the idea of yeah, writing so. your book while you're walking somebody was telling me about a practice he does he called it walk with spirit or even walking with like your higher self or something He's like, walk and talk to yourself as if, you know, they're next to you or to this other person or whatever it is, whatever conversation you need to have. Mm -hmm. And he's like, put your, um, like, put your headset in 
if you're worried about looking crazy, or, you know, there are going to be other people around. It just looks like you're talking on the phone. I was like, oh, that is a great idea. I could do that. I actually do that a lot. My, my, <laughs> sometimes not even uh, consciously because my kids are my husband. You're talking to yourself. You do know that, right? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I do that. For me, it actually helps me a lot to have like a conversation going with myself to like with my higher self. Mm-hmm. It clarifies things a lot. And I do get some of my best ideas in terms of like what I want to do on the podcast or anything on the yes. walks when I'm out and about. And I'm like, geez, I wish I was in front of my computer right now and I could just record it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd really relate to, to that, getting the ideas, you know, because um, it's it's meditative prayer. It's two-way communication, you know, um, particularly with with wildlife you know seeing wildlife and the Cherokee identification with different wildlife and what that symbolism means you know so I, I totally get what you're saying well I have done where I left my journal in the car and I'll I'll walk and I'll have the experience I'll come back I'll make some notes I've done that before um but yeah in the moment would be nice I use the notes app on my iPhone all the time like if I die tomorrow and somebody tries to decode there will make no sense because I have so many random notes and dreams and like like I literally wake up in the middle of the night and write down what I just dreamt about. I won't even remember it the next morning. So I've got this weird story in my phone. Yeah, it happens to me a lot. I usually write it I write it in a journal, not in my on my phone. But yeah, I just wish there was some way, you know, like to just download this <laughs> juice and this juicy right. stuff we have. Like right there and then and just have it for later on when you are like sitting in front of your mic and saying, oh, what should I talk about today? <laughs> like, oh, I had so many different things come up now at this time. It's not working, though. <laughs> and record it. Yeah. Yeah. I have one picnic table at a specific hike spot that I go to that I write on Sunday afternoons so that I just I'm really loving that. Really love. So it's both in, you know, it's movement and it's being still. Can you give us any like idea of what your new book is about? Or is it? I have three. Three. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. I have three going. And, I'm, and it just, so I just decided, you know, this is not how to write a book and all, but I just decided I want to enjoy flow and not attach an outcome to it. So, um, the first one is parenting sociology, and it's sort of the parents' end of my first debut book, kind of very disrespectful parents, which was written in the young adult genre. And then the other one is about psalms from the Bible, believe it or not, and it's taking a psalm and talking about deconstructing my, my experience of deconstructing religion, and then um constructing a spiritual relationship but using the psalm to do it because mm. it's just such good raw material it's because it's all about relationship there's no doctrine or dogma to it um at least the way i read it so that that is really a, a nice um experience and mm. i've only done one of those and then another one is um it goes three different ways and i haven't decided yet um 
it's sort of a devotional book for conscious parenting and a daily meditative prayerful what i want to focus on today thing i've seen a couple of people do workbooks but this is more in the um template of the recovery meditation books no oh, i love that idea too yeah very cool. Well, I even thought about asking each of you guys to contribute to that and let's just do a, a whole book together because it would be really fast and easy to, you know, divide up the days and knock them out, put it all together. Wouldn't that be fun? It would be fun. Yeah. That would be very interesting to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and it seems to me very... um I don't know, simple and in flow and not hard. Yeah, it's it's like it's just giving something that somebody that we use that somebody else can use. Exactly. In their daily lives, basically. Right. Yeah. I love that. I like to make something like that for conscious marriage. Whether it's a year, like forty days or something. It's mm-hmm. odd each day. It's very cool. Yeah, and, and so I wanted to do one on Cuts Parenting, and I played with this. Just literally came on the last trailer. It was on. I played with the idea of asking you guys, "Hey, you want to do it all together?" And but then the other one is a the parenting and recovery piece. You know, parenting by the twelve steps, and do a devotional guide to that. Are you doing? I feel like you should do one for parents of teens, since that's your thing, and that's such a yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I, I could. I could. <laughs> Um, I guess I I play with the idea though that um take away from what I'm already doing. You got to yeah or support. I don't know. I, I I'm, feel I'm like to support and supplement what you're already doing. Yeah, because it's something that you can actually have your clients also get, or you could give it to them as part of your package and. Mm-hmm. Something they can incorporate in their daily lives. Yeah, I love that. So, as you can tell, this is four or five different books. <laughs> yeah, we can. You're a little busy, <laughs> and I just depend on what mood I'm in as to what I play with on that day. And I'm really choosing to see it as play, and not, you know, because I'm so goal oriented about the last ones, and I don't, I don't want it to be that pressure. I like that. The focus on play. I've been writing that book on boundaries, and I try to do a chapter and keep the chapters kind of short. And I've been getting stuck lately because I'm to the holding part, like the actual discerning when you need to protect your boundary. It's like, oh, there's just so much I could talk about. How do I break this down and make it short? And where does this go into another chapter here? And opens up another can of worms and I need to go down that trail for a little while. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Right. But I am excited to finish it someday. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing some writing too, but I don't know where it's going. Just, I'm just writing for the sake of writing at this point. (laughs) I don't have like an idea of... uh, I do know I'd love to contribute to a book. I don't know if I'd like to write one all by myself just yet. You see, I was thinking about you the other day. Mm. Can I, is it okay if I share about this? So I was in a workshop the other day with my mentor, um, Kimo, 
I can't remember his last name, but he goes by like the light seer. And he was mm-hmm. talking about the different clairs and he's mm-hmm. identified these 12 types of intuition that you can have. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I have to find my notes on it, but one of them was all about balance. And he's like, these people see balance and they like, all they think about is balance. And one of the things <laughs> I was like, oh, it sounds like Yukti. And he said, one of the things was that um, he's like a good exercise for them is to play the game Jenga. Because he's mm. like, that's literally like inform what they do in their head. Like, perfect. Not to find it. Get some Jenga, girl. Yeah. Yeah, I got to get, I have a, I think I have a, I have Jenga sitting around, which we haven't used in a while. Because we keep that too old, but that would be a great thing for me to play by myself. Apparently. And see what unlocks. Yeah. He called it clear proprioception, which is kind of interesting because I've always thought of proprioception is like you, you actually know where your boundary is because of that. Mm-hmm. It's like an awareness mm-hmm. of everything that's around you. And it says they thrive off the energetics of balance. Um, the visual is the color of earth, which fades into amber, which are very much like your colors. Yeah. Um, and they're, but you said you can also be like fae-like. Whenever they're out of balance, everything cracks for them. Yes. They have, an, totally. they have an internal knowing of balance. Mm-hmm. And the shadow is doubt, easily drawn to tears, oh. highly sensitive. You feel disconnected. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and he said, children, I like this, and they do a lot. But then around, it flares up in middle school. He's like, they'll paint their faces and dance on the counter because they're so connected. They'll just be weird. And then they try to acclimate to, you know, the social norms or whatever. So they go down, but they're drawn to the balance of nature. So they could have like an awakening at Burning Man or like the garden. Um, and they play, you know, play. And they attract, but this is not so much to you. I don't know. It says they're attracted to people who will speak up for you instead of you speaking up yourself. But maybe that's only in certain That's cases. not true for me. I've, I've always been one to speak up for myself. Yeah. Maybe because I had to. I mean, that's just what I had to practice from a very, in fact, I had to speak up for other people. That's mm-hmm. really how I started speaking up was because I had to always be the one who's protecting and speaking up for others. Uh, especially my friends and my sister, like any yeah. girls, women. Well, most... that's also your birth order, right? You're the oldest yeah. female child. Yes. Yeah, I am. But that, that I'm not just, just the oldest female child. child. I'm also the oldest grandchild on both sides. So, wow. Yeah. It's that's a powerful position. Because it's interesting because I'm working with my chiropractor and he's like, yeah, what happens is when you're, it's uh, like, what happens, we don't recognize um, being in that position of being the oldest grandchild and the oldest child means that when something, uh, when when uh, somebody passes in your family, they often their stuff passes on, and if you're highly sensitive, which it turns out I am extremely sensitive, I pick up I picked up a lot of that stuff. It was very fascinating to learn about it because I. I I couldn't figure out sometimes, like, why am I always, like, like, I'm feeling so much, but it's not even my own stuff. <laughs> yeah, It's not even my own stuff. It's, like, generational stuff that's been sitting around, and 
it's so important to actually clear it. Um, and I don't think we we fully understand or in this society actually accept how important it is, how much passes on from generation to generation. And it's not just DNA and genetics. It's really more energetic as well. So it's really um, important uh, to know your lineage, where you come from, so you understand that some of the things that are that you're assuming are yours are really not yours. And once you actually understand they're not yours, it's a lot easier to let it go. It's right? freeing. It's freeing. It's freeing. You don't have to sit with it. You don't have to hold on to it. You don't have to understand it. Any of that stuff. You can just allow yourself to let it go. So it's the con it's in the conscious acknowledgement of it as a power, yeah. and a, pre a presence and a power. Because I'm literally living this right now, you here yeah. on the reservation. And it comes in twofold. It's it's where I did my dad's the two places I did my dad's um ceremony. And there's just such a sense of of lineage to both of those places. And I go and I visit him and there's literally joy about mm. the homecoming and um making sense of his personal conflict between his intellect and whiteness and his nature as a hunter and um you know all all of those forces that were part of him um and then of course all of the past and i've been able again the training of the sociology lets you lets me be able to get in the airplane and kind of see that macrostructural view of the culture and society and what's been amazing lately is how hidden Cherokee people are and that that's a really conscious survival choice I mean I will see a Cherokee man tending a yard and you almost don't even notice it's almost as if he's a ghost because they they hide in plain sight unless you're watching for them and so you have to see them not through white eyes but through um you know a different set of lenses uh it's very rare that they rise to kind of seek attention and and that's one of the reasons it's been very hard to make relationships here and it's been you know really lonely but i've i've chosen that view that you're talking about that there's there's a purpose to being here that's very cleansing that awakens you know the part of me that identifies with the culture and that's a gift, you know, just choose to be grateful for what it is and not have to construct it to be something romanticized that it may or may not be. Because there's a danger in that of building stories which actually hinder you and hurt you in the long run rather than actually help you. Now, mm -hmm. we can always choose the stories. We can choose stories which actually bolster us and we can choose the stories that actually bring us down. Um. I'm, I'm going to go back to a for a moment to what Beth said about the balance thing because that thing's like ticking in my head like uh, <laughs> I'm like I mean this guy was re I, I I can I can so identify with what he's saying and nobody has actually put this in this form for me to actually see it that the reason I'm all about balance is because this is part of who I came here to be this is like my superpower uh and in some ways i've struggled with it because it's um 
you're taught, at least in India, like, oh, you focus on one thing and then you do it. Like you, like if you're studies, you just study really hard and you're good at academics and that's what you do. And I, I really struggled with that, especially in high school, because uh, I was a very good student. But I was a very good student because I knew what to do, when to do and how much to do. <laughs> and I picked up things fast, not because I worked very hard. I put in a lot of hours. And at some point that became a struggle, especially with my mom, because she's like, you're not studying enough. You're not going to get through into a great engineering school. And for me, I could never explain it to her, but I always had this thing, dialogue with her like, I, I need balance. I want to be able, to, in, even in high school, I want to be able to play sports and go out with my friends and study. I can't do one. It's not possible. And I still struggle with that in my life because like Beth, Beth knows and I've talked to her a few times. It's like, okay, maybe if you're working on your business, you can drop a few things, right? I try. I swear it, guys, I try. And to some degree, there are some things I drop for a little while, while. But for me, having those different pieces is so important in my life. Because um, firstly, balance. Secondly, it's almost like each piece nurtures a different part. Mm -hmm. and, I relate to that. And I get bored with things easily. So... Oh. If if you ask me only to focus on one thing, I can. Like if you tell me, hey, get this done, focus on it, I'd be hyper-focused for two hours. But after that, if you expect me to go back and just focus on that, it's just very hard for me to do it. Like it's just not. And more and more in the last year, my my this year's intention was I know who I am. And more and more I'm beginning to accept these parts of me which I've struggled with in my life, like where I've been like, uh, why is it easy for this person to do this and why can't I do it? Like, why is it so easy for people to organize stuff? I cannot. <laughs> like, I if you give me a task visually, I can do it in that moment. But that's it. After that, you ask me, oh, some people will just keep their house organized and fluid and stuff. Not not my strength. And I'm just accepting it. It's not my strength. I'm good at other things. Uh -huh. The other things. So I think more and more I'm accepting parts of me. And thank you for bringing that back because this was like, it's like a light bulb going you in my head. You need to have a session with him because he can, he, I don't know. He's got an amazing gift. He can, he yes. can literally see everything. It seems like when you talk to him and yeah. he's a good portion of his life in New York City running a program for children and paying attention to their empathy and intuitions and all these things. They followed him for years and years. And so now he has doctors work with him because he can literally see things in your body and find out where the emotions are stuck and what you need to work on. And he's just amazing. So you should find out he's, his name or he goes by the light seer. Um, Kimo Capano, I think, or something, but he's so cool. Uh, he's from Hawaii, and mm. um, he will tell you the intuitions, but he also apparently does this thing where he can see your soul skin. He calls it your soul skin, and he said it's like a color for him, and it's something that stays with you forever. It's your soul's color, and so you come back in multiple lifetimes in the same color, and he's like, you, once you know that, then you can live your purpose 
because all your purpose is, is they aligned to that color and the more you do it better. And so he taught us all of these in a workshop. And I was like, I have no idea. They sound, they all sound like me. <laughs> I have no idea. Like I can relate to almost all of these. And so, but then he told me, and I have another session coming up with him because we haven't covered it in a session yet. He said, mine is indigo. And mm. that was one that was not on my radar at all. <laughs> he said it. I was like, mm, probably not. But it's, um, it says that we're focused on, we require at all times transparency and clarity. And we want to know the whole picture from the beginning. And like, we don't like surprises and stuff. I was mm. like, oh. I don't like knowledge for the sake of knowledge. I like knowledge for the sake of clarity. <laughs> I just need to know the truth. I need to know the whole thing, the whole picture of the truth. And that was really like, wow, yeah, that's... And from the beginning to the end, like that's why you are the kind of person who actually goes in, dives in and stays with it until you get parts of it. I'm the kind of person I'll go in deep and I'm like, okay, that's enough. Now <laughs> I need something else to focus on, right? So that's... Yeah. That's you need a new trail every day. He'll probably call you a purple because I thought, well, this is probably me. Or I don't know what it is, but similar. Mm -hmm. So purple is very knowledgeable. Um, and basically, like, they learn something. They love the experimental process. But then they move on when they've learned enough, which mm -hmm. I thought that was me. But I don't, I guess not. I'm more like, did I learn enough to be clear? Like, yeah. That's the kind of thing. So I don't know. I so. We all need to find out our colors. Guess what you're wearing today. Right? <laughs> I know. And I've got it everywhere. This is, uh, you know, I've always thought of it as soft navy. Or he, he says, like, whatever color you said was your favorite. He said up until about kindergarten, if you ask a kid their favorite color, they might tell you their soul skin color because it's like that resonant for them. Um. It's very interesting. Like beyond your aura, he said your aura is about your emotional state at the time. This yeah. is like who you really. So if when we die, you look for you know, for the indigo energy moving around with me, apparently, and probably millions of others. It was cool. Wow, that's really cool. I got to I got to get check this guy out. You got to send you on. Yeah. He releases new appointments every Saturday at noon Eastern, and you like got to get in there and get it, or they're gone. It's crazy. Wow. <laughs> One of those guys. <laughs> it's very busy. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I've been actually sitting down and writing a little bit about, like, I'm, so I'm having a little trouble motivating myself finding that inspiration right now around my podcast and my work the last mm -hmm. couple of weeks. So I sat down and I started actually writing about it. And I was like, like, just like, who is the person I'm trying to help? What is the result they're looking for? And why? What is my why? And I, I actually keep tapping this. Uh, and I actually wanted, this is a question for both of you, because I keep tapping into that why and tapping out very often. And that's that's where I lose my inspiration, really, because when I'm tapped in, then I'm inspired and then I'm kind of in the flow and I can show up more consistently. And that's what and that's why the balance part of me or the ADHD part of me a little struggles a little bit with finding um the focus and staying with it. So that's why I was writing down my why. And I realized just as we were talking, right, we talked about lineage, we talked about girl speaking up. 
it has always been about giving voice and power to girls and women. It's always been about that since I was a kid. Like I've always uh, stood up for that. And one of the things I recognized about myself was like how highly sensitive I was or I am. I, it wasn't that I was. I just shut it down completely because it was just, uh, because often when people are highly sensitive, especially kids, what happens is that you feel something, but the outside world shows you something else. The reaction is incongruent with what you're feeling. For example, my cousin sister has an amazing sense of humor, but very sharp and very pointed. Like, you know, it hurts that kind of. And as a kid, we were nine months apart. She's younger than me. But so she used that sense of humor and everybody around me would laugh. But for me, it would hurt like it would pinch because I could. I wasn't and it's only later on that I recognize now that I recognize it wasn't even that I was hurting. Whoever it was directed towards was also hurting, even though they were laughing. So. I'm, uh, it's interesting how. Often highly sensitive people actually turn off the sensitivity completely and show up in the world as people who are completely unemotional and non-sensitive because at a very early age they have learned the incongruency between how people show up in a reaction a relationship versus what they're feeling inside mm -hmm. and more and more I've been like getting in touch with who I am inside and recognizing that these feelings are perfectly okay and fine and also beginning to differentiate between my feelings and other people's because uh, in the human de design, I'm non-emotional. What that, that means is that inside, I'm actually a very calm person, but I'm the person who can read and pick up feelings from everybody very easily and quickly. And I think that's true for both of you too, from what I know of both of you. And, uh, and even when we picked up those feelings as kids, we didn't learn that they were okay. For one, the uh, then they were incongruent with the outside reaction. And at some point we stopped feeling the feelings. And then we, when we restarted feeling those feelings, they, they were so intense that we couldn't often tell that it, what was the difference between ours and others. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's so important because so many people, even in our audience, I probably feel that way. There are people who feel anger with a lot of intensity who feel sad with a lot of intensity and they tamp it down because they they have been taught that that's not okay to feel that's not okay to show and when they felt that way somebody laughed at them or dismissed them or got punished them whatever happens so right in very interesting you're an empath. Do you feel that in your body, like, can you physically feel emotion when, like, so say yeah. that somebody next to you is very sad, do you start to feel very sad, like have tears and? I I won't have tears. For me, it's more like I'll feel it in my body. Like I'll feel like my heart contract or like my belly contract if like it's fear or tension or stress. Or if it's anger, like my head, I will feel it in my head kind of thing. So so for me, it's not like, it's not obvious like tears. So it's like sometimes I have to decipher 
right. what that actually that feeling is actually about. And I'm beginning to realize that sometimes you don't even need to label it. You just need to know it's a feeling and let it go. Allow it. Allow it. Yeah. Allow it so you can let it go. But it's you been... think what's the question? There's a question inside of you. What's the question? Can you articulate it? I guess the question is, uh, I think it's it's a recognition that of who I, who I am, and the question is, does there are do other people also feel this way? Are other people also in the same boat? And if you are, how do you feel it? Like, just like Beth asked, like, do you feel it in your body? Do you feel the emotion? How do you distinguish what's yours and what's not? that's that's the insightful piece for you yeah chase that question and you will know your audience and you will know your purpose and you will be able to form the stick to for the process for you in my opinion hmm. that's that's my intuition really is it that, you know, when we can pose the question, that's that's when the universe answers. That's when it all rushes in, right? Is when we allow the unconscious to come conscious enough to ask the question. I think the underlying question really is, if you ask me, who, the, you know, who is it that I'm meant to serve and how? Really, that's, that's the underlying question. Mm -hmm. um, and I know... Often in our practice, we say, let the how be and the, and it will show up. But sometimes I do need to know the next step of how. Mm -hmm. Amen. Show up fully, Amen. right? I mean, it's the truth that if I'm, if I don't know the, how, at least the next step or two of the how, then it's very hard for me to show up fully. Right. Well, if you kind of do an engineering diagram <laughs> around the kinds of topics you've just talked about, seriously, use your training. It's it's the generational piece. What's mine? What's not? Yeah, you know, it's the intensity piece, the sensitivity piece. Do others share that sensitivity? How do they navigate it? How do they navigate their knowing when they know? Yeah, it's that balance between finding my own voice and yet needing community for that voice to be found. <laughs> no. Yeah. Talk about balance. It's balancing all of those different factors and vectors. A lot of our work is really, you know, our businesses, when we create them, it's really about self-expression and how do we put more of ourselves out in the world. So you get to find something that helps you put you out in the world, which I think you do already. And then... You know, like Laura was saying, like you compare that to what do people come to me for? What do I like to help people with? What is the thing that I'm passionate about? So I wonder, like you were asking about, do other people feel that way? Yeah, there's empaths, but why do you wonder if other people are sensitive that way? I wonder because, um, I see that in a lot of people 
but I also see how they turned away from it completely. Uh, it's like they reject the sensitive person that is within mm -hmm. because at some level in this society, it's not okay to be sensitive. Right. Right. Uh, it's not, it's not a good thing to be highly sensitive, right? I mean, the, we teach the kids how to manage their emotions. We don't teach them how to accept it and move through it. In general, I'm not talking about you, me, and Beth, but in general. So um, I think that's, that's why I ask that question. How many people are really aware? We do... People know, now people are knowledgeable about the label of being an empath. But how many people are really aware, have an awareness of their actual feelings and the empathetic nature? Like, and what does it really mean for them and what does it look like for them? Well, it's been really empath 2.0 because so much of what's out there right now is survival guide for the empath. You know, how to survive being an empath, how to find your boundaries and ground enough to survive the storm of all the things that you feel as never the next elevation. You know, at least I'm not hearing it. I um, mean, okay. It's not about this is, survival. This is my sensitivity. What's my gift? Exactly. 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 How do it's, I thrive? It's actually a skill you have. Right. That's, I think that's, that's where I'm going with it. it it's actually a skill you have. So if you actually learn to first accept it and then hone that skill, you can actually utilize it to make a difference. Not just for yourself, but also for others. Because the more accepting you are of that part of yourself, the easier it is for you to accept that for others as well, right? That's, that's where it starts. The acceptance starts with you. It always starts with you, in no matter what. Even when you're judging something in some somebody else, we always say that there, there's there's a part of you you're judging, right? So when that mirror exists, where judgment towards others is a judgment towards yourself, then the acceptance has to come for, towards yourself before you can really truly accept the other person. But but we are taught outwardly in society that if somebody is doing something, you accept them. You're not taught that you accept yourself. And that I feel like is reversed. Why is it important for you, for people to accept themselves and their gift? Because I think that empowers them. Like it really makes them see who they are. It allows them to be free to be who they truly are. Instead of trying to fit into like all these little boxes everybody is trying to fit into, it just, honestly, it frustrates me at times when I see everybody's just like trying to fit into that puzzle piece, like jam themselves in. But you know, that little corner there does not fit in that puzzle piece because you, that's not the right piece for you. And I think that's what it, what's important, why it's important to me because I see that uh, and it, actually, I really see that with teenagers. Uh, there's, there's one part of them which is like so free-flowing and so clear about like they want to explore the world, they want to take it all in and they're learning so much and all that stuff. And then there's a part of them that's like just trying to fit the heck in, like fit the heck in, just like somehow fit into that mold that is 
seeing everywhere. And, um, and I'll be honest. I want to be free to be me. Okay. For me, that's, that's really the ultimate, uh, goal of my life. Like, yes, balance is important. Balance is just part of who I am, but for me, I just want to be free to be me. And that sometimes gets hard when you're walking out in the world and all you're hearing is, but, you know, you have to adjust. But, you know, you have to accept the other person. But in the process of accepting how other people are, are you actually rejecting who you are in the process? Maybe look at that first. Maybe if you accept yourself, it will be easier to accept other people for whatever they are, whatever box they are choosing to be in, whoever they are choosing to be in the moment. So, I mean, I think that's what's important to me. I just, I just feel like, um, especially with women, I feel like that's true for men also. Okay, don't get me wrong. I think men are really fixed in a role and sometimes I feel sad because they don't even know any different they don't even know any different hmm. but especially I feel it especially for women like for me it's like I see them and I'm like please don't do this to yourself hmm. and why do you need to be free to be you I think that's that's where every that's where that's what we're here to do. That that's how I feel. I mean, I feel like that's the purpose of our life to come here and be the soul we are meant to be, free to be ourselves. And that's I think when we are, this world will work. Mm -hmm. This world will work. This world of work. Yeah. I hope you go back and listen to yourself and match. I will. There's a lot of good, a good, good direction for you. Oh, you just wrote your whole business. I've never even noticed that, but um, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. no, the, the, you're doing your purpose is so that this world will work. That that's what we're here to be. We're just here to be ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and you also highlighted two ideal clients, teenage <laughs> girls and women. Yeah. I just feel like... Oh, my God. We put ourselves in such tight boxes, women, just such tight boxes, like. Mm. And we tell ourselves we have to do this because somebody else needs it or because this is how the society works or this is how, this is what's expected of them or this is what the parents told them they expected of them or work says this is how women's role at work should look like. Or as a mom, this is how they have to show up. Or, or just so many, so many things. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. So many. And then every culture is different too, and how intense they get that message. Oh, yeah. I mean, and what part they focus on. Um, I recently saw a 
coaching advertisement on Facebook for what happens when when your coaching practice won't niche down. Mm-hmm. And they call it the Renaissance woman, when you won't niche. And that's, I feel like all the time, all the time, that there's, you know, there's stuff that I can certainly earn money with, but if, if it was, you know, truly free, it would be Renaissance woman, you know. Well, I think that there's a confusion about niching because there's niching to like certain demographic groups and maybe ages and types of people and stuff. But then there's niching to people who are your just ideal aligned person. Usually for us, people who have similar stories have been through something close to what we've been through and um, are emotionally at a level where we were. We have these same like your ideal person has the same. Uh, philosophical problem that the world should not be this way. People should be free to live out their soul's purpose and be who they are. And so that's the woman you speak to. Somebody who, like, that's the vision she wants. And she's on board with that. Oh, yeah, I don't have to be who other people want me to be. And then as a result of that, I can accept myself fully. And then I can accept my kids or my husband or whoever fully because I've done it for me. So. I want to introduce an idea called, in Spanish, it's called el arte de indirecto, that there's a way to do this conscious work and communicate it that's indirect. Mm -hmm. And that oftentimes the indirect path is what leads us to the spiritual truths. And um, that's certainly been true of my own spirituality. And I've found it recently in my coaching is I've had clients reflect back to me, Laura, we come to you about teenage conflict with our teenagers, but we wind up having this internal transformation. This is their literal words. And you're a coach that transforms. And then they hang with me through the launch of the young adult and then finding their own career and newness in their relationships, whether that's marriage or not. Um, and it's it's about conscious transformation if I had to put a label on it, you know, or spiritual growth if I had to put a label on it. Um, but I think people come and they just use the crucible of unconditional acceptance to do whatever work it is that they need to do. And that's a privilege, you know. And it also is reflexive for me because I'm constantly doing the inquiry the spiritual inquiry of am i in my authentic energy or not or am i closer to it today than i was yesterday yeah so that it's processual yeah it's very powerful work yeah it is only ladies have got gotten a lot out of me today thank you (laughs) (laughs) We've gotten a lot out of here too. This is what a coaching <laughs> session with these two looks like, people. Right. <laughs> I make my clients cry. <laughs> you cried. Yeah. Oh. I've been learning about um, IFS, which is a methodology, internal family systems that basically looks at emotions and stuff pretty much the same way that I do, but in a like formalized way. And, um, I did an exercise the other day where you kind of scan your body and you find all these different parts of you. 
and like what they want. You sort of talk to them. And the author wrote, I can't remember who it is. He's like, it's amazing because people just know how to do that. Like you ask them, who is this? What is she here for? And what do they want? Why are they here? And like, they just immediately answer that. They just know we're so much more um, knowledgeable about our experience than we give ourselves credit for. And he it's funny because he's like, in the beginning, I had people use the empty chair exercise, you know, where you talk to something in, in the empty chair. And he said, then I had chairs all the way around the room and I'd make him go to each chair for that part of them to talk. <laughs> like, that sounds exhausting. He's like, yeah, finally clients said, you know, I probably could just do this from the same chair. Like, I don't have to physically move to talk to you from these different parts of myself. And pretty cool. I don't know. It's neat. We're so, we're such fascinating creatures. So much it, deeper than we know. I mean, our bodies carry so much information, right? Just incredible. Um, one of the things I was, I got this app called My Human Design mm-hmm. recently. And actually, it's amazing, guys, because that app, like, for $6 a month, it gives you a lot of information. It, I mean, at least the basic information. Then if you want to dive deeper into your human design, of course, you should work with a specialist and all that stuff. But I've been playing with that. And I was like, oh my God, um, I forget the numbers, what it is, but basically my sacral is where my main gut intuition lies, right? It's for some people, it's the third eye. Some people say, listen to your heart, but really depending on your human design, it could be different parts of you. For me, it's my gut and I've been practicing that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that as I've been opening up emotionally is what I've noticed is some people feel it in their heart. For me, I always feel it like gutturally. And when I'm feeling it gutturally, whether it's laughter or it's sorrow, that's when it's like, it feels like uh, real. And that's where I've noticed I get my yes and no's from. When I get a clear yes or no from my gut, that's when I know that I am incongruence. And just like I was talking about being highly sensitive, I recognize that, that when I'm really sensitive and I'm feeling something, that's the place where I feel it first so it's interesting and I'm sharing this because we all have that in our body right and uh, like like you just shared different emotions in different parts of the body but also each one of us has one center that's open usually one or two that really you learn to listen to if you really listen it gives you answers pretty quickly i was trying to find because that's also a form of intuition that he was talking about i'm pretty sure that's what he calls clear cognizance i think it's either well i'm I'm very clear cognizant i've always had that knowing Mm -hmm. that's i i think that's how i really going back that's i think that's how i aced my exams i just knew what to study (laughs) (laughs) i'm just being honest and (laughs) <laughs> oh, <it's always> like <laughs> <that>. oh, <wait. laughs> just, just tap into the collective. Okay, <laughs> we were getting that guy. No, it's clear sentient, I think. Clear sentient. Yeah, that's clear. That makes more sense because it's more about sensing. Uh, ability to feel non emotional energy, too. That's mm. the gut feeling. You said, I don't have that as strong. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you, your human design might have some other centers that are more open. That's why. Yeah. It's fascinating now. Well, thank you, ladies. We've had a good conversation today. Uh, Any final thoughts from either of you? 
that just when you think you got it figured out, the mystery will blow it all up. And I have learned to love the not knowing. <laughs> so true. I am still learning to practice that, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> I something new. And I love it. Yeah, that's true, actually. Something new. Thank you. I had a wonderful time today. I think we guys so Same much. Here. All right. We'll see you next time. Blessings.